Our second scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole, system, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Christ be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Terrific. Terrific. Thanks to everyone who shares in, in song, and thanks to Jackie for her expertise as pianist and, and everyone. You know, the Bible... Um, like I, I mentioned earlier, I, I'd love to go back and live out some of the things that happened in the Bible, you know, to actually be there. It'd be a really awesome thing. But the Bible is full of just so many really delightful, joyful, happy moments. And I, I, think, about the, I think about the angels. They must have really rejoiced as God looked over. In the book of Genesis, it says the, the earth was a formless void of darkness covering everything on the earth and then God sent a wind over to sweep over the face of the waters and then what did God say what did the angels hear God say finally let there be light right let there be light there was the beginning of beginning of creation a, a recreation of what what was there think about the delight Adam felt he was lonely he'd had all these critters around him but they couldn't talk back to him. He couldn't really relate to him, right? So what did God do with a rib from Adam's side? What did God do? Made a woman for uh, companionship. And what did, uh, what did Adam say when he met Eve? This is now bone of my bone, and this is flesh of my flesh. And he said it in a very, very excited way, you know, <laughs> not giving it justice at all. But he was really excited, really delighted over what God had had just created. And then there's Noah and his family. 
spend all those many days, more than 40 days, on that ark. Can you imagine being in that boat? <laughs> I, think, I think they were there like 120 days altogether if you start counting up all the days, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then finally the ark settled and they could step off the ark and put their feet on solid grounding. What, what a wonderful moment that must have been to set, set your feet on, on the good earth once again. And then think about Abraham and Sarah. What did God promise Abraham and Sarah when they were very, very, very old people? What did he, what did they say he would, he would bless them with? A child, yeah. He, he would bless them with a child in their very old age. And when, when you know, when, when, uh, when uh, Sarah heard that, you know what she, she did, don't you? She laughed. She thought, this is, this is a good one, <laughs> you know. And that's what the, their son's name means. Isaac means he laughs. He laughs. That's what his name means. And then there's Joseph, who revealed himself to his brothers there in Egypt. And, you know, they had sold him into slavery. Can you imagine selling your own brother into slavery? And possibly into, and they even thought about killing him. But they had sold him into slavery. But Joseph said, look, what you meant for evil God meant for good. And, and Joseph saved his father and all of his brothers and all of his family because of his being there in Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh. Can you imagine the joy, the, the love that they had, uh, their, their reunion? And then there's the account of the Jordan River. You know, uh, Joshua and his people, the Jewish people, lived in slavery in Egypt. And then they spent so many days, so many, so many years wandering in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. Finally, they came to the Jordan River. And what did the Jordan River do when they came to it? What did it do? It stopped flowing. It just opened up like the Red Sea. And they walked. Can you imagine the joy, the delight of, the, of those people when, when they crossed the Jordan River into the, the land that God had promised them, the promised land? Then there was the construction of the temple. Beautiful, awesome building. And Solomon had built it. And the people got together and they had this huge worship service. And God's presence was just so real in the, in the temple. And then after 70 years of captivity, uh, the Jewish people had rebelled against God's authority. He allowed them to be conquered by the Babylonians. They spent 70 years in captivity. And then finally, they were led back to Jerusalem by Nehemiah and Ezra, and they could rebuild the city. Can, again, can you imagine the joy they had to rebuild their blessed city? And then, of course, the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and Joseph. He revealed to both of them that they, Mary would be the mother, Joseph the earthly father of the Messiah, the Messiah. And they looked at this little baby born in the manger as the Messiah. This is the promised one. We have the privilege of raising this child, protecting this child, and caring for this child. And then think of all the lives who were blessed, all the joy of so many when Jesus went out about his ministry, touching people's eyes, and they got, got their sight back, touching their ears, and they got their hearing back, and telling the lame people to stand up and start walking. Can you imagine all the joy, and all the joy they felt with the teachings that he gave them? Because he taught them things about the kingdom of God they never heard before. They never heard before. And then, of course, 
there was that amazing moment when Mary and Martha had buried their brother. He was in the tomb. He'd been there for a few days. And he was in the tomb. And Jesus stood in front of the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes. He's all tied up in all of his burial garments and he came out of the tomb. Can you imagine the joy that Mary and Martha had and everyone else? The amazement they had when that happened. Well, Palm Sunday is one of those joyous, delightful, wonderful moments in, in the Bible. Here comes Jesus. He's entering the city and he's got this, it just happened, it just started happening. The, all the large crowd of people coming and welcoming him and fulfilling the, the prophecies, all the prophecies that the Messiah would come to Jerusalem as the king. And that's what they said. Uh, the, 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 the prophecy, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And they shouted out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I mean, this was like, wow. I mean, I like parades. We all like parades, don't we? Uh, but this was a parade. <laughs> I mean, this was, this was really an awesome thing. And then Jesus spent that Sunday through Thursday night there in Jerusalem, and he did a whole lot of preaching, and a whole lot of teaching those uh, five days. In fact, I have a book. I've had it for a long time. It's called The Life of Christ in Stereo. The Life of Christ in Stereo. A man spent 20 years putting the four Gospels into one reading. So I can read all four of the Gospels in one reading. And 18% of, of the Gospel accounts and the uh, teachings of Jesus happened between that Sunday and that Thursday night. 18%, almost 20% of the Gospel readings happened those five days after he entered uh, Jerusalem. So he did a whole lot of teaching. He shared parables. He talked about paying taxes, of all things. He responded to a question about the resurrection from the dead. He talked about the widow's might, about financial giving to God. Uh, he talked about the coming destruction of the temple there in Jerusalem. About, he talked about the persecution, the future persecution of the church. He talked about his second coming he talked also about the judgment of the nations by the Son of God. Now, you no doubt have heard sermons uh, where preachers have said that the people who welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem on Sunday were the same people who said what on Friday? Crucify him. Cru well, we don't really know that's the case. There's no real clear record that the, those same people were there on Friday. We don't really know. But there's one thing we know very, very, very clearly is that no one stood by Jesus when he was arrested. No one stood by Jesus. His disciples didn't stand by him. Peter denied, I don't know. I don't know this guy. Nothing to do with this guy. They didn't stand with him. Nobody. He was arrested. He appeared before Caiaphas, the Jewish high priest, before King Herod, before Pilate. Nobody stood with him. No, nobody wanted to have anything to do with this guy. 
they were all terribly frightened by what was going on. Actually, I should say this. There was actually one person who did stand by Jesus a little bit. Just a little bit. That was Pilate. Remember the account? Pilate kept saying, I don't find any reason to kill this, to execute this man. He, tried, he was trying to release him. Let him go free. He, he listened to Jesus and said, Nah, I don't, want, I don't want to take this man's life. But the Jewish leader said, Look, this man claims to be a king. He claims to be a king. Are you going to let this man go free? What's the emperor going to think of you, Pilate, if you let a, a guy who claims to be king go, go, go loose? So Pilate said, Okay, I'll kill him. You know, that was the reason. That was the reason. People were so frightened. No one wanted to defend him. When they had the opportunity to release Jesus, what did they say? No, release Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Crucify Jesus. You know, Jesus taught, those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You see, it's simply wrong. It was simply wrong for Jesus' disciples. It is simply wrong for any of us who claim to be Christians to not stand by Jesus. To not stand by Jesus. They were scared. They were scared literally for their lives. They thought if they stood by Jesus, they would be crucified themselves. But we should never let any fear control us to the point where we refuse to stand by Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote, Be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your work for the Lord is never in vain. Never in vain. Your standing by Jesus is never in vain. Never in vain. You know, it's easy for us in a church, in a worship service, in a Bible study, when we're surrounded by fellow believers, it's easy to stand for Jesus, right? We get excited about Jesus. But what happens when people laugh at us or scorn us for our faith? What do we do then? What do we say then? when that happens. You know, I'm, uh, I, you may be aware that one of the fastest growing religious groups right now in our nation, in our world, is atheism. Is atheism. There are those who are promoting atheism. And it's a sad thing to me personally, but I see the ads on TV, maybe you've seen them on TV. President Ronald Reagan's son, Ron or Re Re Ronnie Reagan, has been on TV promoting atheism. Promoting atheism. And there are those who just mock us for believing in God, believing in Jesus. Are we willing to stand with, stand for Jesus when we are belittled for our faith? Let me share with you what, what Jesus, one of the things Jesus said between that Sunday and that Thursday night. And this is in Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 9. 
There, uh, Jesus says here, when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and, and, and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful pot portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This, this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. By your endurance, you will gain your soul. What does that mean? By your endurance, you will gain your souls. You'll ha you ha by your endurance, you'll have a, a soul that really does love God. What, does, what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Love God, right? With all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. That's what our lives are about. That's what our lives are about. We had to constantly remember, Jesus stood by us. He continues to stand by us. Jesus didn't turn his back on us. He went all the way to Calvary because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about all those who would turn to him someday as Savior and Lord. He didn't turn his back on us. He could have. Like James said, he could have decided just like that, I've had enough of this. I'm walking away. And he could have done it. He didn't do it. We can't turn our backs on him just to please the people we're with. We can't turn our backs on Jesus just to protect ourselves. It is by our faithfulness to him, our endurance through difficult times, our standing by him that proves really what is in our soul, what is really in our hearts, what is really in our minds. The Apostle John says in the first epistle, his first, excuse me, his second, no, his first epistle, first epistle, chapter two, he says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and this desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. Do you want to live forever? I do. So we got, we got decisions to make, choices to make. Are we going to be sucked in to the desire of the flesh? Are we going to get sucked in to the desire of the eyes? Sucked in to the pride of riches? Or are we going to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? You see, there is happiness, there is delight, there is the joy that comes 
from obeying God, the known will of God. In fact, that's the purest kind of joy, the purest kind of happiness, the purest kind of satisfaction we can have here on earth. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to eat. You can tell, right? <laughs> Who of us doesn't like to eat? I enjoy a great meal, but that's nothing. It's really nothing. In compared to the joy and happiness of obeying the Lord, that's how, how it is in life. The people we read about, the experiences that we read about in the Bible, those who experienced this joy and happiness trusted God. They walked with God. They were, they were looking for a city, a city in the future that they would be a part of. Not, not the city they were in, but the city they would be living in. You see, it's only as Jesus is truly the king of our hearts and the king of our minds that we can celebrate his glory, we can experience that abundant life that Jesus came to make possible. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Great joy, great peace, great contentment, great experiences of the glory of God. Amen. Amen.